Hi, everyone, and welcome again to the Comics Deserve Better podcast, where we talk indie comics weekly in your ear holes, wherever you get your lovely podcast. There we are. Thank you for downloading. And here, as always, is with me is Richard and Darcy. Hey. Hello. How are you all doing today, considering? But we are talking about comics, so it has to be better than normal (laughs) (laughs) Um, not great but you know i'm here you know the comics are good for the record we are we usually record on mondays but we're recording on tuesday which uh if you guys are paying attention to the news there was some certain big thing that dropped last night monday night so anyways well we'll get into it later um just so you know the uh the podcast itself uh we did record it earlier and it was lost in a in a studio fire mysterious studio fire and one of us may have some ancient creature living inside of us now <laughs> but we'll get into that later as well so hopefully it's hopefully it's not me because i won't be able to do anything to take care of it okay <laughs> oh geez that's that, that's Right on the right on the spot, right? So that's, that, that was pretty good. I like that. Wow. It's funny, but it's not funny at the same time. Um, but, I kind of want to end the show because I don't know if we're going to be able to do better than that, Darcy. Right, Darcy, like, right. you should take a bow. Just home alone, Wait. just take a bow for that because that was just well done. This <laughs> that has was been masterful. The Comics Serve Better podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we'll get we'll get going here. Um, Let's do it. All right, uh, Carrie. Once again, she's not with us. She had a, a kind of a scheduled day off. Uh, she's getting things ready um, for school and work and stuff. So, so here we go. Um, I have actually three things for DIY corner this week. Uh, where we talk uh, Kickstarters and comics doing comic creators doing it themselves. Um, first one is. Damsel from Distress, issues one through five. Uh, this is a series that's described as a elves and espionage comic. It's uh, like D&D meets James Bond, essentially. And uh, I guess uh, issues one through three have already been written. Um, issues four and five needs, are being, are, is what is being um, kickstarted right now. But they're going to release all five as, as a volume. And... Um, you know the art looks pretty cool they don't really want to get into what issue four and five are going to be about because they say it is spoiler heavy territory but a quick uh synopsis of the first issue is that it's after uncovering information suggesting that her long-lost father might be the man behind the princess's kidnap uh beck follows the clues across the border of the kingdom into the uncharted regions beyond in search of answers so it sounds like fun I always like fantasy stuff and the art looks pretty cool. And I also like, uh, you know, kind of cool female protagonists kicking ass, kicking everyone's ass. So that's, that's like a good one to follow. Yeah. And I like a man from uncle, you know, yes. updates. So that's fun. Yep. And, and distress is an anagram or, a, or an init- oh, I guess it's an anagram. Yeah. Like init- with uncle. Yeah. yeah distress like, is like, the cool. uncle. So that's pretty cool. All right. So we'll move on to number two. Uh, here, which is uh, Unico Awakening. So uh, this popped up this morning when I was looking through things. Uh, Unico, we were just talking about Tezuka last week uh, as our main topic. Unico is one of Tezuka's uh, more famous characters that uh, he had created during his uh, his tenure as being the manga god. I guess he still is a manga god, isn't he? 
but godfather uh, yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> yeah but and usually when like you know even if it's like tezuka or, or someone if someone's adapting something i'm, I'm kind of iffy about it but then i saw that it's actually gurahiru is the uh the artwork behind it right uh, and so i'm like okay cool i'm good i'm, I'm gonna check yeah. this out um, totally acceptable uh, Samuel Satin is the uh, is the is the writer, but Kirihiru uh, definitely like super super fan smashes the clan, unbe- um, not unbeatable Scorgol, unstoppable wasp, you know, uh, just mm-hmm. some great stuff in there, and um, some and, and actually a very appropriate artist to be doing some Tezuka. I, I can so, totally see seeing Kirihiru do some some Tezuka like artwork. So that's pretty and cool, especially uh, animal Tezuka. Like if you think about. Um... Uh, 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 Jeff. Yes, Jeff the Land Shark. Yes, that's that's yeah. true. Mm. I can, yeah, no, that's a good point. I can totally see that. Um, and uh, the the person who is writing this actually wrote an adaptation to the uh, the Irish uh, animated film uh, Wolf Walkers. So mm. he's got experience adapting um, animated movies into comics. So that's pretty cool. Uh, there's a whole bunch of prints that are going to be coming out with this including three by peach momoko if you didn't need another reason to check this out um we got yeah it just looks pretty nice it looks pretty good (laughs) you know like uh, so cute and i guess it's just it's a reimagining of the first story of uh of unico so it's kind of like a modernization of it but i love it you're a hero gotta gotta get it no, it looks great, and but this is the type of stuff that remakes are for, like especially like if you're bringing it to a new market. Like, yeah, you want a reimagining of something from what, what was this like fifty years ago, forty something years ago? Yeah, and you know exactly. you can bring it to a new market. Like, I, I, I I've gotten annoyed with remakes of stuff that like, but but we've already saw that, and like it's still good, and we could just watch it streaming somewhere. So this is a really dope project. Yeah, something that. <laughs> I'm the same way if it's like 20, 30, you know, there's some things that are being remade way too close to the original, Right. but especially with comics and especially uh, things that are getting that far out quality, just paper and printing quality uh, isn't all that fantastic. When you think about like uh, the way we write and read dialogue has changed so drastically. Um. Just, just like culturally, people have changed quite a lot in the way we read and write comics, um, and, and the quality of the way that we create comics has changed quite drastically. You can always go back to those originals, and I definitely recommend it. Um, but when you're moving to new markets or when you're moving to new readers, there's a certain level of quality that new readers have come to expect from their comics. And a lot of new readers have problems going to old comics and just making the effort. It does take some effort to read comics from the 1960s. Right. That print is really small. That the the colors are not as clean as they are now and it sucks, but it's accurate. Uh, it, it takes some level of love for the comic to go back and do that. And if you haven't quite hit that level of love yet, you're probably not going to make that effort. Whereas you know, Guru's got excellent fucking art. You're gonna go yeah. in there automatically and pick that up. Even if you don't know what this is, it's it's even worth if you having. don't know what it is. Or and if you want to buy, you know, like new stuff for your kid, mm-hmm. you know, 
it's an automatic buy for a kid that's just cute so essentially mm-hmm. this is ultimate unico like ultimate spider-man but this <laughs> is ultimate yeah. exactly yeah. exactly yeah that's so, pretty much yeah. yeah all right uh okay well we have one last one uh, uh we're all fans of short box here as you probably all know um and you probably also heard the you know the news uh last year that short box was going to stop releasing the their, their boxes that they're famous for which and then they're just going to start publishing being like a regular publisher and publishing books but then later earlier this year it actually got um changed again unfortunately and that they're actually closing their doors and um but so that's bad but hmm. well um the what is good right now and what you can do to support is that um their first book that they were going to be publishing is now out on kickstarter to uh, to donate to in order to get it uh, published it's uh, called a cat's day by gd ling and even without that baggage behind it it looks gorgeous and beautiful and like mm-hmm. it's something that's worth checking out it's it's um about an overworked 20 something sam a time traveling diary and many many cats and what could go wrong is what it asks in the uh, on the web page so it's short box that's quality you know that's a mark of quality i don't think i've ever read a short box book that i did not enjoy so and the artwork looks great it's lots of cat fun on here and so so yeah definitely please uh it's a good cause as well um definitely support short box while they're still around because they definitely need your love and your money <laughs> yeah it looks like a great book just looking at what there's available so far it's very cute i'm surprised you're saying that darcy since you're famously uh, anti-cat so. yeah famously anti-cat with my one cat just ran past me nearly murdered me yeah <laughs> Oh no, it looks really cute. Oh, I, I don't like our uh, our <laughs> this little segment because every week I'm like, oh, I, yeah. I need to buy all of these. Every week I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. this is this is fascinating, and I would I would like to purchase it right now. Actually, yeah, no, I I totally get that. Um, actually, um, I I I didn't get their information, but I actually was talking to somebody um, via Facebook who is a comic book creator. Um, that um, I they, they they I asked for their uh, through Gumroad or their you know where they were selling books and and um, and went on there and basically bought a copy of each one of their books. So Jeez. it's it, because they all looked really good and I'm like, hey, you know what? It's a local supporter and I and like I put my money where my mouth is when it comes to this kind of stuff and definitely yeah. want to help help support. So um, yeah. Oh, and free comic book day is coming up on um, well in a couple of days once this uh, episode comes out. And yeah, there's free comics uh, when you go to the, the bookshops, but a lot of also places, places also have, you know, Digital. creators. Yeah. yeah. Well, you'll also have creators there at the local mm. shops. So if you want to go in and support a creator like directly, that's a good way to do it. Awesome. So, yes. Yeah, so definitely check, check your local comic book shops and see who they have there. If you want to do it that way. All right. So looks like we are now ready to do our spotlights. Um, Richard gets an F for the week because he forgot his homework. But <laughs> no, Michael jogging. He's jogging it. Okay, it's fine. You get a pass. It. I had a All brilliant right. spotlight, but, but my yeah. dog ate it. <laughs> All right. Well, 
Actually, you know what? I'm gonna go. I, I'm on a roll right now. I feel so. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go first. So that's okay with you guys. Um, yep. I never go first. So I have Season of the Bruja number one and two by Aaron Duran, Sarah Solar, Jaime Martinez, and Adriana Nadal Tarafa from Oni Press. And uh, when I do my poll list every week, I obviously I keep an eye out for books that like they carry uh, will will like uh, and. This was one of them that I pulled because I was like, oh, this is a carry book. But then I read it and I'm like, oh, this is also a Brian book. You know, <laughs> so I, I decided to take it myself and use, use it as a spotlight instead of giving it to Carrie for a spotlight later. But don't worry, she has some other books to, to talk about when she comes back. Um, so this is about Athalia, who is a witch that is that's strong and adept, but she's still in training by her grandma, Isadora. Um she she works at a museum curating like Mayan Aztecan artifacts and also helps out the community by fighting paranormal threats like demonic possessions. And uh, she has two companions that she does that with. One's a, a chupacabra and the other one is a coyote slash like fox spirit. Um, and uh, they but they do have the ability to pass off as human. And when they're not fighting uh, with um, with Athalia, uh, they run a small like oddities gift store so that's kind of cool <laughs> and um so the book starts with the first issue starts with a, a quick exorcism that Athalia solves not by force but actually having a discussion with the demon that's kind of cool and she she's and she um, then later takes her grandma to a museum where she's accosted by this strange and intense and very aggressive priest with all these crazy tats on his arms um that uh, it leads to a death and uh, someone getting arrested and so um, that's the end of issue one. Um, and issue two kind of goes in further. I don't want to get too much into it, but um, it definitely is a good continuation from that spot. The, uh, the line and color work are vibrant. Uh, the very nice ca- character designs, especially the human ones, like uh, the, ch- the chupacabra and like the fox person when they're, when they're in their animal forms are very cool and cute. Um, and yeah, everything looks really nice. And it's, it's, it's kind of cool. You know, I, I like... You know, obviously, I like uh, you know these kind of stories, and I do love it when you know, kind of, you see it from a different, like a cultural perspective, other than just like you know, like white fantasy. So it's cool that this is a you know, kind of like a, like a Mexican American story uh, that also has to do with magic. So pretty cool. Yeah, it looks interesting. I like the art. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of flowers, a lot of flor- like floral like feelings mm-hmm. in the colors. It's it's pretty cool. Mm. All right. Well, Darcy, do you want to go ahead and go next? Sure. Uh, Last week, I mentioned a couple of things about uh, creators that often get left out of discussions. Uh, So I brought in a kind of long list that I condensed into kind of like two shorter lists of kind of reading options for people who are looking for uh, kind of ways to access creators who are often left out of discussions, if that makes sense. Um, so uh, I just lost my link. Okay, so the first one I'll go is the kind of like Western comics section, uh, which there's this really good IDW book that's available on Comixology Unlimited, if you have that, uh, called Invisible Men, the Trailblazing Black Artists of of Comic Books. Uh, It's fully available. It's a big book. It has tons of 
artists on it that covers their history um and like it has some of their art it has uh, their books it covers uh, artists from um uh, uh, uh early early even like pre-golden age uh comics like back when it was just like newspaper comics back when they were working that to uh well in through like uh, silver kind of early bronze age it has like when they were moving through um like uh uh, uh graphic art like a lot of them spent time like they kind of got tossed out of comic the comic book scene and moved into doing like advertisement art before they got kind of pulled back in there were a couple of um uh uh you know they called them like cartoon magazines at that point or whatever um by managers of like those magazines that hired them specifically or moved them around when those managers moved around between magazines and then they'd get bought out by a new publisher or a new owner and then they'd be like well I don't want to hire black artists or whatever and then they'd kick them out and that manager would leave too and then they'd move to a new magazine and they'd pull them back in so it kind of like tracks their movements and where they go and what comic books they work on um uh, there's lots of them that are interesting and good it kind of like depends on who you like and who you found i i i there were a whole lot of them that i didn't know most of them i wasn't familiar with i think the one i uh, had any sort of familiarity with was um matt baker because the phantom lady was kind of like a, a golden age story that i knew about uh but like I, I've read this quite a while ago. I don't really remember a whole lot of really specific, specific information in it, but like it talks about some of the creatives who drew on um, the original Blue Beetle story back when it was Dan Garrett one T uh, just so much information in there. Really great book. Lots of great information. Highly recommend it. So um, yeah, that's a good one move on to my second link. The second thing I would talk about is um, the year 24 group, mm -hmm. which is a specific group of manga creators, which is named roughly for the year that these creators were born, which is the non-Gregorian calendar year. It's about like 45 or something like that for 1949 um, but the year 24 group is this massive group of women who are very famous for uh, changing the landscape of shoujo manga um, prior to this period uh, shoujo was kind of like where you went to where male kind of shoujo or, or male manga creators went to like start their career and they'd write really simplistic kind of fairy tale shoujo for little girls and then they'd move on to shonen to write more kind of like sophisticated stories basically but year 24 group was made up of all these women who around the kind of early 60s uh, started writing more sophisticated stories for like preteen teenage girls. Um, uh, they started telling stories that dealt with uh, kind of 
issues that teenage girls would carry about care about more like romances that had more depth in them they started writing about um lesbian romances gay romances issues of gender they had like uh gender fluid characters trans characters they wrote about depression suicide uh everything had a lot more depth in it there were religious issues um the most famous probably to this day story that uh, people know in japan and outside of japan from this period uh would be uh the rose of versailles um, at that time then and till, uh, to this day now, um, it was important both because like the art was really good and also because it was like making like a political statement. I think kind of understandably the Rose of Versailles, it was French, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's Marie Antoinette. It's talking about politics. There was kind of like a leftist movement at that time in Japan. It's concerning like, you know, like radicalism in France and radicalism in Japan. Um, it's also, you know, a shoujo. It's about romance. It's a historical romance. It has a lot of the characteristics that you see in shoujo at that period of time. It's very Eurocentric. It's um, very flowery. It has a lot of the art that you see um, that carries through for a long period of time that, um, pretty boy looks the long flowing seemingly blonde hair it's black and white so you know colorless hair uh stuff like that the the uh, military sort of uh uniforms all of that you see here kind of carries through and that kind of starts in the rose of versailles mm -hmm. you also get um uh watano kunahoshi which is a um it's not the first cat girl story, but it's kind of like an early cat girl story. It really popularizes the cat girl and it's not a sexy cat girl. It's just a little girl who is a cat. Um, but instead of being shaped like a cat, she's shaped like a girl with cat ears, <laughs> but mm -hmm. she's a cat. Uh, and she's, you know, living with this family who sees her as a cat, but she sees herself as a girl kind of thing. And that's hugely popular. So you get this popularization of the cat girl that in Shonen becomes more sexy, but in Shoujo is just, you know, it's cute. I was um, going to say, I can't stand for this uh, sexy cat girl erasure. <laughs> <laughs> wrong, wrong side of the manga. Um, well, one that's a, that's a favorite of mine, uh, Shiori Heia no Futari uh, by uh, Ryoko Yamagashi. Uh, I love this story so much. I actually reread it last night just because I knew I was going to talk about it. Um, it's a one shot. Is it a one shot? I think it's a one shot. Uh, yeah, it's a one shot. I read it last night. It can't be too long. Um, <laughs> it's about this uh, orphan girl who goes to this boarding school and meets this girl who's the daughter of an actress. And, um, you know, they're in boarding school in this. Again, it's very Eurocentric. I think they're in Italy or some shit like that. France. I don't know. Somewhere in Europe. And at first they hate each other because the 
actress's daughter is like pissed off because her mom doesn't care for her and the orphan girl is very shy but then they kind of like slowly fall in love because neither of them are happy with their parents lives and all of that and then they end up playing Romeo and Juliet in the school play but you know they're both kind of weird and sad because oh no are they lesbians and then they kind of the orphan girl moves away because she's afraid of what she might be and then the actress's daughter is like oh I'm never gonna fall in love with anyone more than this and she has a boyfriend but she like taunts him and she's sitting there going oh I'll never love you as much as this other person I love so much I'm never gonna love you so much you might as well just kill me and he does and the orphan girl finds out and she's like oh and you think oh is it gonna end up like Romeo and Juliet is she going to die too and she's like no I could do that but I'm just going to live with this weight with me forever and it's so tragic and so fantastic and I adore it so much it's like the best I've always loved this and I loved it so much last night and and it's stories like this there are these huge romances that have these sorts of tropes that you still see in shoujo today, but they were built in the 60s and in the 70s. And I love it. That's pretty amazing. And for the, for the era, for the 60s and 70s too, because of the, uh, you know, the, the social concerns and issues. And, and I know, that Japan was a lot more conservative than even still to this day. And, and the fact that they were, you know, speaking out in, in their art with, with these issues and things that that's pretty amazing. I think, you know, but I think so, but you know, the sixties and seventies were very like sexually open in a lot of ways. The heart of Thomas was a good, you know, like uh, shown an eye thing. You had a lot of like um, it was about, you know, all these boys in a boarding school, and that was very queer. Um, mm. There are a couple of like sci fi ones where you had uh, gender bending, and that's kind of like um, what do you have Star Trek? Star Trek deals with issues of, you know, like gender. Um, so I, I think the 60s and 70s had a lot of openness when it comes to that. People were asking that question at that time, and it was okay to ask those questions. And I think we've gotten to a point where it feels like it got settled during kind of that whole progressive, quote unquote, progressive period. And we were like, oh, we covered that and we got lazy about it. And um, it's kind of backfired. Speaking so. of last night. Well, <laughs> things are no, reverting. Nothing, nothing well, settled. <laughs> ever, exactly. Apparently. Exactly. <laughs> nothing is settled. But I, I will a lot say of this, people so. thought it was. I will say this. I don't think people get lazy. I feel like that's a, a bad trope about these things. Fighting okay. is exhausting. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, okay. I agree. Like when, when, also, when you analyze these type, these types of uh, social fights, it's like, yeah, people are like, hey, we won, and finally I can stop fighting. Yeah. So the, the thing yes. is, is that more maniacal people are like, mm -hmm. okay, we'll just fight in the shadows. But like, I do feel like, like, no, no, like we won, so like I can go not devote all my energy to this fighting and then it's like oh shit i should have been fighting this whole time <laughs> i i spent yeah i spent my entire life 
like you know knowing that like you know like roe v wade was a thing and that nazis were bad and then who knew like when i was in my 40s that all of a sudden nope <laughs> like those things are going to be different now it's it's oh god it's so depressing it's fascinating though <laughs> yeah so. no because like the nazi thing i thought we were like like that's yeah. one of the, the ones where i was just like no, no 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 i thought we had pretty much consensus on that one exactly but and, I was, not. and I was incorrect incorrect though yeah. right. <laughs> so, um again just like diy quarter darcy just made me have to go buy something else because i'm really interested in invisible bed <laughs> so um a while you don't ago, have to buy it it's on it's on uh unlimited yeah oh okay oh nice so uh, uh, i think you referenced the visible men a while ago in the uh, in like uh, season three i think um i probably when, have about vernon grant uh you had about point man palmer as yes girlfriend. i probably have yeah, yeah. I, it, point uh vernon grant is not in uh this okay. they don't talk about him because vernon grant never uh wasn't a part of the um you know like established comics uh, as far as i know Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I think I probably did talk about this um, during that period, yeah. But regardless, important as well. So definitely, thank you for bringing both of those up because the more you know, you know, it's good to know. It, it it's a Invisible Man is an excellent book. Um, it's um, I, I I definitely recommend reading it period just because it is really easily accessible because of the comiXology unlimited thing mm-hmm. but I, I would you know if you I, I think it's like $15 to buy um, no that's the digital buy it's like a $35 book it's huge it's like a huge coffee table book if you've got oh, no. that to put down um, I, I think it would probably be worth it the pictures in it it's full color it's this full color fantastically huge like biography book i think it would definitely be worth it if you've got the money to put down uh, not not only do i have the money but i think i have some uh, points on amazon so there you <laughs> that's go. always good too will Steal do some, take some money out of business's hand and uh, use those points <laughs> uh but... i was gonna say about the uh um when we were talking about the uh year of 24 group one thing i mm. do love in film is that uh to the point that you're making with that is that I do love watching something older and be like, hey, you know that trope that you're used to? This is where mm. it comes from. Yeah. <laughs> this mm. is the originator. Like that that's always mm-hmm. something that fascinates me. That, so I'll that, definitely uh, check out some of those movies. Like I was looking at uh, the Rose of Versailles. And also just now, um, I, is it a re-release? Because the uh, copies I was looking at, it looks like it just got a domestic release semi-recently. Your uh, Rose of Versailles? Yeah. Yeah, it just had an anniversary or something not oh, too long okay. ago. That's why, yeah, I remember I saw some, some books that the, just came out last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the last year I was in Thailand, I moved back, what, 2019? They were doing Uniqlo. Uh, the clothing store was doing this huge re release of, uh, not re release, but this huge release of like clothing that had um, Rosa Versailles like oh, nice. uh, icons and stuff all over it, like tons oh, of it. Awesome. I was like, where did this come from? But cool. um, yeah, so it, it must have just had an anniversary or something recently because oh. there was a there's been a huge resurgence um, right before COVID. The the fan, you know, like, you know, the fascination of of like Europe and like medieval Europe. Um, I always thought that didn't start until like the 80s, like with like Dragon Quest and video games and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool to hear that it was even happening in the 60s and 70s in Japan. Oh, yeah. 
you've got um oh you know like Rosa Versailles would be what led into like Utena and stuff like that you know <laughs> so or all of the Gundams all the Gundams were yes <laughs> but that's all and well that, that, that would have yeah. come that would have been like Ho that came around about the same time right yeah <laughs> the I first the first round that was like mid late 70s yeah yeah first, first Gundam yeah, I think Rose of Versailles was 71 or something. Oh, so that's still got it by a few because that first gun yeah. was 79. Oof, yeah. Yeah, it's almost, it's older than me. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, just 72. 1972, Rose of Versailles. Okay. That's very cool. Well, thank you. We'll have the information on the notes as always, as well as on our socials uh, through the week. And all right, so I guess now it's time to uh, get into our main course, which was chosen by Richard, and that would be Night of the Ghoul by Scott Snyder, Francesco Francovia, and Anderworld Design uh, from uh, Comixology originally and uh, Best Jacket Press. But there's going to be a physical copy released very soon uh, from Dark Horse. So um, you can get it digitally or physically in not too distant future and richard since this was your choice do you want to give us a quick synopsis slash yes. uh, the, the doctor the, the dog did not eat my main course fortunately yes. <laughs> yay Good so n- night of the ghoul um so basically the reason why i picked this is i was just like i couldn't remember the last time i read like a full uh francesco francovia book and i was just like i love his art so let's do this yeah, and it did good, not disappoint. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, no. He draws horror and dread very well. <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> you might say, he's a master at that. And this book is absolutely gorgeous. The only thing I would say about it that there were certain pages that looked like pinups in the middle of the book, even with his like, uh, I guess his autograph in yeah. like like in mid panel like but like it's not it's not a, a pinup it's uh page 17 of an issue so that that, it, that was a little jargon took me out of it even even he knew how great it was so he signed it, and dated <laughs> yeah, it. he's just like yeah you know what yeah yeah <laughs> i gotta sign a date this this was pretty, pretty so good. basically what night of the ghoul is about it's well it's about the it's about a ghoul and the night who is um <laughs> at, at, at night who uh Actually, I think the whole book is that night. Oh, no, the, some is. of the flashbacks like, it, are in the day. It's one night, yeah. Oh, but, sorry, uh, but yeah, uh, so basically we start with uh, this gentleman and his son, uh, Mr. Inman, uh What was his first name? Holy oh, shit. Forrest Edmund. And basically they're going to, they, they, they've done some research to find like a... Uh, like psychiatric slash retirement home to interview. Um, they're there under false pretenses. They're going there because he wants to interview this director, but he's sitting lying and saying he's from an insurance company. He's trying to work something out with the insurance. And he finds this uh, horribly, horribly burnt gentleman. And he is the, the gentleman who directed the movie Night of the Ghoul. Night of the Ghoul is supposed to be the greatest horror movie of all time. But at its original screening, the uh, theater burnt down and the film burnt with it. So no one has seen all of it. And basically with this, we're going through 
flashing back and forth between what the film was and uh, Inman's talk uh, talking to uh, Mr. Patrick, which that is not his real name. <laughs> There's a lot of subterfuge bit without the book, but the film itself is like in the throes of World War One. You know, we're following this company and they're going to go take a. They're they're going to do lookout in the town, and when they get to the town, basically it's just death. Everything like everything seems to be dead and corroded. But uh, what we find out is that there's a ghoul that's a demon or, or, or not even a demon, but it's some sort of monster. But it's like, um, it's like the alpha monster, like all stories of monsters from Dracula to, to, to the Wolfman to Frankenstein, they all are derived from this ghoul. And what the director tells us is that the ghoul is actually real. Like, um, the reason why he made the film was to expose the ghoul and there's, you know, forces beyond his control that are making sure that the truth doesn't get out there. The, uh, the, the, the secondary story is that, uh, uh, forced is divorced or I don't know if they're divorced or separated from his wife. So he's trying to reconnect with his son and he brought his son with him, and his son's a teenager now. He thinks his dad's a loser. He's not interested at all. Mm -hmm. So it's weird because he's not interested, but also he's done like a plethora of research on the ghoul. So, but, but he doesn't want to participate, which I guess that's not really weird. That's just a shitty teenager. Yeah. Fickle. Very, very fickle. (laughs) Um, So as we, as we go on, basically, um, the director tells uh, Mr. Inman that he's like, he's dead. He's actually like, he, he tells him that he, he basically is being held, held captive by these people that are acolytes of the ghoul. And basically the fact that he's seen the film and they know you, that he's there, they're both, their lives are both forfeit. And that's kind of sets us on our course of you know what's what's going down but uh within the, the actual film the uh, company actually gets attacked uh, attacked by the ghoul and uh one of the the, the leader of the, the uh military company kurt he is like taken over by the ghoul but of course you know everyone doesn't know that they just think that he's acting strangely so when he goes back home basically his son sees it and his son is the catalyst to 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 try to figure out what's going on with his father. <laughs> Let's see. So throughout this, basically they're going back and forth because, you know, Inman doesn't really believe him. Like, you know, he's telling him that this is, you know, this is the truth. Like, this is reality, that this really happened. And that like the film basically was a documentary and they're just kind of going back and forth. But basically he tells him, hey, this guy has the end of my film. And if you break in there, we can see the end of the movie and see it to fruition. And of course his son like meanders about the facility and gets lost and gets captured and sees a bunch of dead children. So they, they want to call the police and long story short, they get thrown out of the facility. They're, they're snoopers. They, the, the lie about the insurance company gets exposed and they get thrown out, but it's too, they're too close um to the mystery to 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 not pursue it more so they kind of break back in (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
They can't leave it alone. They can't leave it alone. And, you know, through... They, um, what we find out is that there are actual acolytes trying to protect the ghoul because in the film, or in, in the... <laughs> In the actual story of the film, the uh, the military company guy, Kurt, who gets uh, taken over by the ghoul, he goes to a, they, they take him to a doctor to go get a checkup. And the doctor tells them that the x-rays are fine. But then we see the x-rays and there's there's a whole lot of ghoul in that x-ray. <laughs> <laughs> a whole lot of something freaky. <laughs> yeah. Whole, everything's just so freaky. Like, and, and everyone that's in the facility just looks creepy and ghoulish so the guy dr skeen that runs the facility basically he has the maid he kicks them out but then what we see is that once they leave he is torturing the director he beats the crap out of him and then he like spews maggots on him (laughs) from his mouth very much seems to spew maggots on (laughs) him very clearly uh, spews maggots on him and so Mm -hmm. The director tells us, and we are led to believe from what we see, that he is the ghoul. He's spewing maggots on people. He's spewing <laughs> maggots on people. That's very yeah. ghoul-like behavior. I, one would believe. Yes, uh, yeah, I would say that that's not normal behavior. <laughs> no, no, it's normal behavior if if you're the yeah. ghoul. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Only if you're the ghoul. So uh, we flash back. Um, they they meet a uh, to to the actual film. In the film, they meet a uh, a uh, professor who's wheelchair bound because basically um, she was looking into the ghoul and she got a little bit too close. So, but she's willing to help them. So basically, what she does is she takes them to a museum, and this is some real ghoulish shit. She's like, "You have to go get ghoul food to lure him out. So we're gonna steal these uh, old corpses from a museum." So you could uh, basically go to feed the ghoul and lure him out because apparently the ghoul is weakest when it's at emergence, and she and there's like a tincture that she, that's created that if you hit him with the tincture right as he's emerging, you you could take care you you could take care of your ghoul situation. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, Cause, cause theoretically, because there's the uh, there's the good guy uh, or the, the 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 group that's trying to find the order. Oh right, there's scared. the order. Yeah. Was it the and Order of the Fly or the uh, Acolytes of the Ghoul? And there's the, and yeah. there's the uh, Order of the Scarab. Those are the, good, those are the guys that are trying to fight the, the ghoul. And but they don't exist to, anymore. Yeah. Right. They, 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 the ghoul and his Acolytes basically... They killed them off. Yeah, he killed them off. Or so, let's think. So, basically, Mr. Inman tries to go back in. He's like, I have to help him. He's getting beat mercifully. And the, 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 the director... And of course, his son is supposed to wait in the car. He doesn't because he's a precocious kid. And he goes into a sewer grate because that seems sensible. And of course, he ends up under the facility and it looks crazy. It is like a psychedelic nightmare. Um, Frank Avian, brilliant uses of colors here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something that looks like a monster woman with like eight like eight sagging breasts and a, like they're just monstrous monstrous beings the pregnant man at the, the pre- yeah that's right yeah. the pregnant man <laughs> yeah oh uh, it's, it's some, some some crazy visuals so 
basically um, uh, Inman is able to break into uh, Skeen, the director of the facility, his uh, safe. He finds a finished copy of Night of the Ghoul. And the director's just like, we have to watch it. If you see the movie to the end, to fruition, you'll understand the truth. The truth will be out there. But there's also like a patient history there that he takes, but he doesn't take time to read. Which is probably important. You should probably read the 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 the, uh, the uh, villain's uh, manuscript that he has in the safe. Mm-hmm. But they're also like being chased or something. Yes. So. Yeah. Also, yes. Because uh, the the there was a nurse that wasn't part of the Order of the Fly that was helping, and she got she got shot, and they were right, right as they're escaping, and the the mom showed up out of nowhere and and took the kid, and and then the then Inman and the 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 nurse and the the birth the corpse guy, of the I nurse and the, the director uh, <laughs> the director uh, what's his real Orson name? Orson yes no Orson, Orson was, was the, the kid son. was the son. oh no Orson's the son um oh Merritt 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 Merit? yes yes, yes. so yeah so so he takes him away to, to back to the uh, the studio. So yeah, he's gonna go back to the studio. He's like, we're gonna watch the film, and when we watch the film, you will see the truth, and you will understand, and we'll be able to stop the, we'll be able to stop the ghoul. And that's what they do, except, you know, big swerve. Mm-hmm. Merritt had the ghoul inside him the whole time. <laughs> and uh, all these those creepy people were actually the the scarab orders. Yeah, scarab. yeah the, the the order of the scarab trying to protect from the ghoul coming out. Mm-hmm. Even though they're all creepy as hell as well, but still, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll we'll get to that when we're able yeah. to discuss in a moment. Yeah, but yes, um, they, they come through as, as the cavalry with uh, and excuse me, I can't use words right now. Oh no, you're doing fine. In the, <laughs> in the midst of watching the movie. Basically, or, or that's what it is. Orson reads the transcript, and he gets he gets in contact with his dad. And basically, they he his dad tries to kill the ghoul, is unable to. But here comes Skeen and the Order of the Scarab, and they take down the ghoul. ghoul. They are able to uh, use the tinct a tinct, uh, tincture on him, or and we think all's to be saved. But as uh, he's being lo- loaded into the ambulance. We see that the ghoul is now inside Mr. Edmund and NC. Yep. But classic horror ending, you know. You think everything's okay, but it's not. Time also, there apparently there's another copy of the Night of the Ghoul out there, and that's the little epilogue at the end of the book. Yes. <laughs> so oh, um, please. Oh, um, just as a fan of like, you know, classic universal horror and everything um i i the this pacing was was basically the way like an old like 30s horror movie is paced and i actually really enjoyed the fact that you never see the ghoul until the very end of the of the book or the series like you see you see parts of the ghoul just like you would like parts of the mummy or parts of like you know the monster in those old movies and but then that it's not till the end to actually see the full horror of the of the monster, you know. So I thought that was that was a pretty well done. I you know 
idea, like to have that kind of uh, that kind of trope in it. Yeah, no. Um, so much of this is that because um, they like I really enjoyed the book, but um, there's certain things that I thought were faulty with it. But mm-hmm. it sets a mood so well, like I because. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everything about the characters felt very um, one-dimensional to me, but I mm. really enjoyed ex- existing in that world and the mm. world that they're in in the present time and the world of the flashbacks. Like it just had great mood to it. Like I felt like I was watching an old, like uh, like you said, a 1930s movie, like one of those old serials. It just gave gave me all that energy, and that's why I really appreciated about the book. Yeah, I think it benefits heavily from its. Um... Well, one, it's art. <laughs> yeah, the art's um, phenomenal. And, and two, it's um, the tropes it has and the um, its overall genre and setting. Like, there are a lot of stuff I was willing to forgive because of mm-hmm. what it is supposed to be. I, because I could kept, I, I could keep saying to myself, "Well." you know, it's based on this. It's, it's telling this kind of story. So yeah, this doesn't make sense, but it's, it's trying to be this kind of horror thing and this kind of horror thing. It just, they're not supposed to make sense. So if it were some other kind of horror story or some other kind of genre, I would have a problem with that, Mm -hmm. but it's something I could kind of like wipe away in my mind a little bit easier Plus, the art's really fucking fantastic. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> like, and there, I, there, and I, there are certain things you forgive. I, and mm-hmm. the thing is, is that I feel like just us personally on the podcast, the last few books that we've covered, like the characters have been so like three dimensional. So like, yeah. yeah, these characters felt so flat. But like we we're saying, the mood, Very like the mood and the theme of the story, like it. it God, it carries it so much that like even though the characters are a little flat like no no i still thoroughly enjoyed this and like if there's a sequel i'm here for it because i just had really fun a fun time with the book but like yeah and like there's certain incongruities because i'm like you need to explain to me that if he's the good guy <laughs> why is he spitting up maggots and why yeah. do, and why does the basement look like a horrible hallucination and yeah. then if I and, figured and, that was like like going because I called him because I kept going. He's got to be the goal. Mm-hmm. He's the goal. He's the goal. Like almost the whole time. Like, but then I would keep going back to then why the maggots, right? The necrosis thing because I figured that they were feeding him, and then I figured maybe like some sort of living necrosis or that's where they were making the tinctures. But it was just like okay, you know, it's inconsistent because those movies are always, they always have inconsistent. They're always inconsistent. There's literally a a throwaway line, like, from the movie part of the the, um, the, the doctor who was, or the the wheelchair-bound professor, where Mm -hmm. she basically says, oh, this, or it's kind of gotten to really dark magic as well, you know, trying to fight the mm. the ghoul but th- but that it's like literally one line and it's like right. throwaway it's a throwaway line too it doesn't even like 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 if it was a movie it would be one of those lines that that now maybe the third or fourth time you you watch the movie you hear you know right so, so it's like yeah it's it um but yeah and this is the second time i've i read this and that's why I, I caught it this time but yeah i didn't catch it the first time i read read this either so um yeah the 
one dimension nullness is definitely a part of that style of 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 horror the pulp you know like 30s and 40s universal mm. type, type horror so it definitely works and i agree like yeah if, if it was if this was a different story or trying to be something else like a more modern like even like a slasher or even something like from the 70s or 80s then that wouldn't be okay right. but it's okay because it's this is and also you know there's a reason why Franco Villa is, is signing his art in the middle of the book because he knows <laughs> it's, it's good. Like it's such a flex. Like I like, it is. like the, and the thing is is that it's not like it happens once. It happens multiple times every throughout time. the series. And every time I'm like, yo, that, uh, that's that's awesome. Like I, <laughs> like I yeah, I almost got this vibe that he actually sent Scott Snyder like these like these pinups, and then Snyder wrote the story around those pinups. To it kind of had that feeling. Put yeah. them in there, yeah. But in also, like, it, it also felt like like he was he's a big kid, and he was just like, oh oh, I'm really proud of that one. I got to sign yeah. that. One. <laughs> yep, exactly. Make sure everyone knows it was it was me. Yeah. The other thing about like the order of the scarab, if you're the good guys, y'all kind of pretty merciless, mercilessly shot that uh that uh yeah. unwitting nurse the, <laughs> yeah the your supposed good guy group is definitely a super great group when it comes to morals yes, just just morally great With and the, then also if he comes and you know he's there under false pretenses and you know he has the film but you're the good guys like again just that's not the story that they're telling is the answer to this question yeah. but also why don't you just be like, hey, actually, we're the order of the scarab. This guy actually has the ghoul inside of him. The ghoul's about to emerge, mm-hmm. and we're actually ready to combat him. So if you don't believe me, stick around 10 minutes, and you're yeah, going to see yeah. what's, what's going to happen. Yeah, t- get your son, watch in the back, you know? Like, don't go yeah. in the basement, because it's kind of creepy shit down back there. So, you know, you're... Right, you're, but, but, like, but like, I feel like here. all this is handled with one conversation. Yeah. Or, <laughs> no. why there wasn't, or why there wasn't, like, a camera in that room. Oh, yeah. like if, if <laughs> exactly because this takes place if, if they're so concerned about why is there not a right because right, they have yeah. smartphones they do have smartphones yeah smartphones so and he's, his, his, his job is digitizing film so <laughs> yeah so this is this is a modern story so yeah you're absolutely 100 percent correct why if, if, if supposedly this is their one true job in life is to watch this guy make sure he doesn't do crazy shit and this is their in game <laughs> yeah this is exactly also, yeah. they never broach. Do they ever broach it? Like, why can't you just kill him in human form? Will that just kill the ghoul, or does that just make the ghoul like you a- can't just kill the host before he hatches? I feel like that's how that works in all other forms of fiction. I don't know. Yeah. Would it just release and go into the next person, like it, like it did? I guess. Yeah. I don't. Who yeah. Knows? Who knows? Why, yeah. Why couldn't they just tincture him at any point? Why is it yeah. got to be on the special blue well, no, that's- night or whatever? He, yeah. That's what he's at his weakest. Like literally, he, he he it's like he's waking up, and that's that's the best time to get him. I guess. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess if I if I if I ever have to be stabbed, it'd be right when I get wake up in the morning. <laughs> super supernatural horror. What can you do? Yeah, is that? But they all have those really specific rules. <laughs> it's it's. I mean, the the color work is is so super good. It's, it's superb. Yeah. It, I mean, like the just the lack of color in like and this is basically a black and white book with just like some colors worked in like and like that when they would when when they go into the basement with all the purples and it's yeah. like yeah that's yeah it's it's just 
I mean, the visually, it's it's a masterwork. I mean, yeah, it really yeah, no. is. The, like the use of lighting and shadow and everything is so mm-hmm. well, you know, well utilized. And also, like the the design of the ghoul is cool because it's very minimalistic, but it's also mm-hmm. terrifying. Like, <laughs> yeah. like it's I don't know. I feel like now, like your big bad has to be a lot gorier, and it's just like it's kind of this. Like, like it's, it's so, uh, it shows so little that, like, I don't know, something about it is just scary. Like, I feel like, oh, yeah, that could be out there in the world. Just yeah. <laughs> something that looks like that. It's, yeah, it's, that that first image of it in the x-ray where it's in the ribs and, like, behind mm-hmm. the ribs and everything, that was a really good image. I really liked that. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, yeah, whenever you, you, know, you just get its eyes, like, there was that one. In one the part- mouth. Yeah, and, and when it's coming out of the mouth, like towards the end of the book, and like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's just yeah, like I think the utilization of of the ghoul itself is is pretty amazing, and that's yeah. why I like it. It definitely yeah reminded me like it's you know they, they did that back in the thirties because of budget reasons, but like it's mm-hmm. awesome that obviously you don't have a budget when you're drawing, but and I'm glad they kind of kept that trope, you know, because it does create. Um, it does create, you know, like more suspense and whatever you can imagine in your head is probably a lot scarier than what is going to be, you know, shown as well. So the more you yeah. don't show it, just like, just like, I mean, like Jaws wouldn't be a great movie if the, the shark actually worked <laughs> and like they were able to show the shark all the time. I mean, they, it, Jaws is a good movie because the shark was broken and they had to make people imagine how scary the shark would be when they saw and- it. The great horror comics still kind of do it that way, really. I mean, if you think of like Emily Carroll and how she does horror, yes, you know, she she still does minimalism. This is pretty cool. I like it, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and I mean, um, it's also uh, this is the first non-Batman Snyder book I've read in a long time, so it was kind of cool to see him doing uh, a non big two book as well same you know? <laughs> yeah so it's pretty cool and, and arguably also, better and... than his Batman yeah just me? I mean it had <laughs> serious flaws but his flaws were in like genre character if that makes it, sense like it, it, exactly. it all worked with genre really well and the overall story I really enjoyed like, I, I thought like I do with all comics, you could have pulled back dialogue at least a little bit. There was mm-hmm. a lot of it I could have I thought could have been told a little bit more just with images, but that's mm. me and my uh, bias towards textless comics. <laughs> well, well, especially when you have someone like Franco Villa doing Especially when you have Oh yeah, no, no. Oh, <laughs> this could be a mostly textless comic and it like you would be. still get everything <laughs> everything you need from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but I thought it was really well um, conceived, um, just as an idea. You know, uh, the execution was you know pretty pretty well done. Um, so yeah, I I'm not sure I've I, I can't think of the last thing if I've ever have I ever read anything Snyder's done that isn't yeah uh, American Vampire is it. Yeah, American Vampire. That was uh, I've never yeah, read that okay. though, either. So I've, this I was, never uh, finished it. I only read like the first two. This was like my Darcy. First. You didn't care for Snyder's uh, Bat- Batman, you said. 
I didn't love it. I liked um, I liked parts of it, but I didn't. New Fifty Two or the one before or neither. The New Fifty Two. Oh. oh, okay. Yeah. Did you ever so, read the detective the detective comic stuff? Because detective the, comics, yeah. Because the New Fifty Two, I did enjoy, but like as much as that gets lauded, I feel like the detective comics, the uh, you know Dick Grayson Batman run that he did is the, the, the Black Mirror basically is Black Mirror was superb. great. Yes. And I mean, you get the Frank and VR art as well, but like I thought it was so much better than the new 52. I, I revere and um, love those books. Yes, that, so, that I like a little bit better. Yes, I agree. So I, I think that um, I honestly feel like a lot of the new 52 stuff, like the Court of Owls stuff was great. You know, like I there don't was, see, I don't like Court of Owls. So I, I like the Court of Owls, and I thought that was kind of a cool, like, cool idea, at least a kind of a new direction to take. And but I feel like there was a lot of um, of Didio, <laughs> Dan Didio. <in> this. Dan Didio. <laughs> Sorry to, to name names, but I feel like there was some editorial meddling that yeah. that kind of caused because like he because Snyder like, had like Duke Thomas and he had like Harper Rowe. He had some cool characters that, that he was like brewing up, and then the execution when it came to it, it felt like it got meddled with too much by editorial and like was he wasn't able to. Does Harper Row exist anymore? Because I have not read Batman. So <laughs> exists, but, yes. But, yes, she she but not was. Being used? She was in something recently. Is in a backup story. I think she was in Batgirls as, as a backup story. Okay, that, no, uh, that's what last I've heard. She was a very like I liked her more than I liked Duke, and Duke was yeah. cool, and Duke, I liked Duke. But I, Duke's I also barely her in as a as a new character. Like there was. It's funny, the parts that I liked of that Snyder run are the parts that are probably least popular because Quarter Owls, I enjoyed. It was good, but like, it's not my favorite. But I love, I really enjoyed Zero Year and I mm-hmm. really enjoyed Endgame and, you know, Gordon Batman. Like, I, I, like yeah. the parts See, I, I hate enjoyed. Gordon Batman. You hated Gordon Batman? I hated Gordon Batman. <laughs> it's like wearing your grandma's underwear. I do not like it. <laughs> oh, that's a good. That's- that's a good visual or bad visual. <laughs> it's evocative visual. It is, it's very evocative. Definitely. I, I enjoyed it just because like the, the little different things that they did with it and the fact that like, oh no, Bruce was finally got the life that he, he should have had. Like he was just going to be a philanthropist and a nice guy. And it's like, Oh no no no! We have to pull you back into being Batman mm-hmm. again. Sorry, sorry, you don't get to be happy. Here, and, here, and here! Here's your psychosis back, sir. Especially since <laughs> his happiness was going to be because of the Joker. Was the reason why he was going to be happy? So that was yeah, that was pretty crazy. Yeah, but, no, it's like no, no, we need you to be insane again, buddy. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, um, I guess actually, Duke Thomas and and um, Harper Row are. In Wayne Family Adventures as well. Yes, so if you oh, are, okay. Yeah. So. Oh, Harper. Uh, yeah, Har- Harper's in it. I thought I saw, saw her once. In she it. hasn't shown up yet, as far as actually not. Oh, I Duke, thought I... Duke is a regular, but Harper hasn't Duke... shown up yet that I've maybe, noticed. Maybe I'm I'm uh, dreaming things I wish would happen. <laughs> so if if she has, I don't remember, and yeah. she's not a regular. Yeah. Um, but um, Duke is a regular. He Duke, Duke moved is, in for episode one and has shown up quite regularly. He, oh, he's really. the he's the audience's perspective essentially in that in that story. So, all right. Well, well, so. I will say this uh, since I think we're closing out on this part. Mm-hmm. I, my top things for for to, to sell people on reading Night of the Ghoul is number one, 
the Frank Avia art. And number two, it's a quick read. Like if I all like I, I, I totally is. understand being this being an early project of what uh you know like the uh, comicsology you know director I forget what they call them or comicsology originals because yep. it's like hey two creators that you've heard of doing nice work but it like it's a rat a tat tat quick read like it mm. you, it doesn't bog you down like I feel like if you're just as a proof of concept of what comicsology originals is. I do feel like, oh yeah, like no, it's cool that these characters are kind of one-dimensional because this this is just fun. Like, yes. don't overthink it. Like the fact that we're doing a podcast where we're analyzing it more than we should. If I just read this and didn't think too hard on it, I probably would have enjoyed it even more. But then, like you know, I'm I'm, I'm looking for the scenes basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which, it's very much a it. matinee. It's very much yes. a matinee popcorn kind of exactly. kind of comic book. Thank you, Darcy, for saying in very few words exactly the thing I was trying to say. I appreciate yep. you. <laughs> I was going on theme. It's a movie. It is yeah. absolutely okay. Well, with that, anybody else have anything else, or we're good to kind of move on to the closing of the show? Kids don't climb into sewer drains. It's a dumb idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's not ever yes. smart. And if someone's there saying that they have candy, definitely don't go down there. <laughs> that's, mm. that's you will worst. float. Yeah, exactly. You will float. Exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, in that case, we are ready to move on. So, oh, um, and I didn't mention before, but you know, um, in the on, the on the social on on Instagram, um, the Friday before this episode. So uh, comes out. Been announcing the the book in case you haven't seen that. And so, if you kind of want to do a kind of book club thing with us and like read the book before uh, we start talking about it for the episode, then um, that's where to find out. Go to Instagram and uh, find out uh, what book we're talking about. So, and that's um, what's our Instagram? CDB Pod is our Instagram and Twitter. So uh, now, time to. Go ahead and uh, bring this all to a close that we've reached the end of the show. And thank you to everyone listening to the show. Email us any questions or comments at commentsdeservebetter at gmail.com. Um, Instagram, CDB Pod. Like I just said, good pods as well, CDB Pod. Uh, website is commentsdeservebetter.wordpress.com. And you can also tell a friend about us and or rate us. Only rate us if you like us. So, you know, help us with the algorithm. <laughs> and uh, Darcy, where can we find you? Um, I am at books underscore serial on Twitter and booksandserial.wordpress.com. Uh, right now, I'm still talking about uh, Squirrel Girl, and I'm also going to start talking about uh, Batman Unburied. Unburied, good Lord. Batman Unburied that was just released finally oh. after I've been bitching about it for uh, going on two years now. When finally got released? released on Spotify. Oh, really? Uh, this week. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Two episodes cool. in. Nice. It is as ridiculous as I thought it would be. So that's fun. <laughs> yeah, very cool. <laughs> it is um, uh, body of uh, body of proof plus Hannibal equals Batman somehow. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> interesting it's bruce, it's bruce wayne as a uh, forensic uh, uh 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 pathologist huh interesting and his parents are still alive <laughs> okay 
that's what it is so far (laughs) i'm in episode one (laughs) interesting though this sounds pretty cool um okay oh this is the one with winston duke Um, winston duke yeah yeah Yeah. which i have been so excited he's he's great i the one thing i have been consistently pleased about the title is ridiculous but the thing i've been consistently pleased about is the casting fantastic casting Mm-hmm. He's got a fantastic voice. He's got a great face for TV and a fantastic voice for radio. And I have neither. But I really need <laughs> to jump on one of these uh, radio shows. Like you guys talk about it so enthusiastically, and I've made no time oh. for it. Check out <laughs> check out Squirrel Girl. The third episode had Craven in it. Finally, oh, so. it's so good. And just for just for a few minutes, but the the Craven moment was was perfect. It was Craven was perfect. He had some he had he had some quick advice, and then and then you know you're like, okay, you're a good person. He's like, not yet, but I will be. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> like just excellent, like the way he was in in the comic. So uh, it's almost like it's being written by the person who wrote the comic. So it's almost like it's being written by (laughs) Ryan North with (laughs) Savage Land in the background. Yep. So, all right. Well, I think I think it is a bonus episode. We might have to do Squirrel Girl and just talk about it for a little bit because that's just a great series. Uh, But but yeah. All right. Well, um, Richard, where can we find you? Uh, I'm TopCat360 on all social media, um, NBA playoffs, and the death of democracy. Basically, that's what I got going on. It's, one good, uh, one bad. Either, either I'm going to be – also, you know, <laughs> little NHL playoffs this year. My Panthers might be out here <sighs> making some noise. They just but, dropped uh, the first Yeah, game. no, like it's going to be highs and lows if you follow me or you look at me because one day the Heat are going to win. I'm going to be very excited. And another day I'm <laughs> going to be upset because they, they're stripping our fellow citizens of their rights. And We're going back to the 1930s. Yay. The Heat? <laughs> they <laughs> probably want to go a little bit further back than that. If we're in being completely yeah. honest. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, when are when are they going to start putting out the uh, the handmaid's uh, robes to, for people? Yeah, I'm wondering when they're going to start handing those out. When um, I first watched Handmaid's <laughs> Tale, I was like, I don't like this show. This seems too plausible. Yeah, <laughs> especially for something that was written in the early '80s, and it just seems to get more plausible <laughs> every decade. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Well, um, I'm at um, Brian underscore CB on Instagram. And Carrie is somewhere in the wind on, on social medias. And, uh, but we'll, she'll all be back next week. And uh, that's, that's it for the episode. So, this has been the Comics Deserve Better podcast. Remember, Comics Deserve Better and everyone deserves comics. Good night. Good day. Good night. Good afternoon. Good night. Whenever you're listening. Bye.